Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet, when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost, or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, my guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love, self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. Happy 2020, y'all. I believe that in this day and age, spreading love without expectation is an act of extremism. With that belief in mind, I've set up a challenge for you all and myself to get online and spread some love. If you're interested in taking action and deepening your love practice this year, check out www.extremist.love slash liberation dash challenge. That's www.extremist.love slash liberation dash challenge. I'll post the link in the show notes and hope you join me on the Love Extremist Liberation Challenge. Peace. What's up, everyone? I am at Sola Contemporary on historic Slauson Avenue and want to pay respect and honor the traditional elders of this land, Chumash, Tongva, and Gabrieleño people, and thank them for offering this space for us to have this conversation. I sit across from Tatum Hawkins, who is the director of South LA Contemporary. It's a nonprofit art organization, and it's located just south of downtown in LA's Crenshaw district. Tatum's career began outside the art world, starting in advertising at TBW Chiat Day. From there, she dabbled in both advertising and its cousin, public relations, and eventually chose the PR path, where she has worked for a couple of interpublic group agencies, as well as in-house for large and medium corporations. She eventually started her own consulting business where she executed PR projects for small business clients as well as pursuing her love for writing. Tatum has written lifestyle articles for both online and print publications, and she's also a young mother and co-parent of two children, with motherhood being her favorite job of all. What's up, Tatum? Hi. Thanks for welcoming me into this beautiful space. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you for coming again. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we met a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when there was a show up that was really rooted in activism and local yes. activist artists. Yes. Can you speak a little bit to what that show was about? Yeah, it was our art and activism exhibition. It was a group exhibition with about 50 different artists. It was an open call, so anybody could submit their work. There was no entry fee because we really wanted it to be as inclusive as possible and not leave out anyone who may not have the resources. Because most, and I think most open calls, there's usually a fee involved. And so Hmm. we had about 500 different entries to go through. Wow. And which was really exciting because having a political show, we just felt was very important for this time. There's so much going on. And a couple of years ago, we had a political show called Dear President, and it just was so um, impactful for the community and for the artists, and we thought, you know, we need to have another one. It's time, because that one was around the time Donald Trump got elected, and so, I mean, it almost didn't happen, because it was right at the beginning of the year, and planning for it was over holidays, and, but it was so important to happen, and when it did happen, it was... I mean, you were there. It, yeah, it was, it was amazing. amazing. The vibe was incredible. We had one person saying that the walls were just vibrating mm. with the artwork, and it it was very strong. All the pieces just had so much to say, and you know, these artists being able to have a platform to share their feelings about all the issues happening was really important for us to have. It was a great show, and thank it, you was an opportunity to meet you and yeah thanks for coming former podcast guest ginger q and phil america and a number of others right. were there 
Mayal Hassan, who performed. She was one of my first guests. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting was kind of stepping into this space, having just eaten at Simply Wholesome oh, and nice. kind of getting a little place. bit of a <laughs> feel for the neighborhood, mm -hmm. which I've generally known. But can you speak a little bit to the dynamics of this neighborhood and yeah, where we are? Yeah, of course. This area is so, I mean, you announced it as historic Slauson Avenue, which it is. It's This area has so much history and culture and a lot of trauma mm. as well. And... Um, it's one of the most densely populated black areas on this side of the country and in California. There's just an energy and a vibrancy and a need for art here. Mm. And it's just been really great to like to come into this area. We've only been here on Slauson for about two and a half years. Right. And so we're kind of this new kid on the block um, and trying to integrate ourselves into this neighborhood and also be aware that we're not trying to change it, you know, we're not trying to put ourselves out there in a way that would interfere with the existing culture. We want to contribute to it. Yeah, and yeah. you had local artists participating in the show. Oh, absolutely, and that was that was a very important part of that, because we want our shows to not only reflect, like, greater Los Angeles, but also our local community and making sure our local community is always involved in some way, whether... You know, it's inviting them personally to come attend or it's having their artwork or it's having a performance by one of the artists in the area. Super important to us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You had all of that. That was all going on. Yeah. So how has the response been from the local community? I mean, it's been it's been good. Overall, it's been really positive. We'll get people off the sidewalk here they'll peek their head in and they'll say, oh, there's an art gallery here, and, and they'll be very excited about it, and they'll, and they'll say, like, oh, we need this, or we don't mm -hmm. have enough of this, and we're so glad you're here. I would say, like, 90% of the time, it's very positive and very full of excitement. And then there's that small percent where there's some skepticism and mm -hmm. a little bit of, you know, they're unsure of, what are you doing here? Why mm -hmm. are you here? And... and I mean, this, like I said, it's a black neighborhood, very, um, you know, very, a lot of that black culture is here, and this gallery was founded by a white woman, and so there's that, there's already an existing, like, skepticism there, but mm. I think, you know, we've been very cognizant of being as genuine as possible, as transparent as possible, and just really sh showing that, you know, we're all about community, and involving the community as best as we can and just being humble in that way just like I said knowing that we're new mm -hmm. and I kind of think of high school you know like right. back being like the new kid and just trying to be friends with everybody and and yeah. not not passing judgment or anything like that but when we met you were talking about how you kind of have this celebration of the community with your open mic nights and mm -hmm. opening the space up can you speak a bit to yeah those? our open mic nights it's like my favorite night of the month so it's yeah. every first Friday of the month we've we've had it now for about five or six months and that is super local like we when we first had it we didn't even like announce it on Instagram because mm -hmm. we didn't want everybody to know we wanted it to be this special like hidden gem type of event and cool. it's just grown every time I mean the first one was amazing and then after that it just kept getting bigger and better and we have it's mostly like kids college age even high school, young adults who come and they're from the area and they come and they have a spoken word, they sing, they do stand-up, they do dance numbers. Um, and I'm just, I can't even take pictures because I'm so mesmerized by what's being spoken and the feelings that are coming out of it. I mean, it's very raw. Mm. And it, even just through that is helping me learn more about this community, just through the lyrics that are being spoken and it's amazing. So yeah. has your perception of art shifted since you joined this gallery and, and became part of it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, as you read in my little bio, my background is not actually art. Right. I don't have a formal education in the art world. And so I think like everything has changed. Um, my father's an artist. I grew up being just surrounded by his artwork. His mm. studio was always in our home. 
all the artwork on the walls were his. <laughs> and um, I would walk home and I, I would walk inside. I would smell like oil paints and I would see like half finished paintings and sketches. And that was always just very familiar to me. And so coming to this space, you know, it feels like home to me. And that's, that's a big reason why I decided to go into the art field. But my knowledge of it was mostly just a very family type knowledge and what right. I saw from home. And then here it's, it's been more of an education and, and seeing that it's not just something pretty that mm -hmm. hangs on the wall. Or it's not just um, something to look at, but it's something that can speak to you. It can have a message. It, it can change someone's total perception of something. One thing I really appreciate is from my experience and hearing about the open mic nights, like the performative aspect mm -hmm. that you embrace, right? Yes. And being at the opening and seeing a number of performances and performance art and also hearing about folks coming and pouring their heart out through poetry or dance mm -hmm. and, and different types of expression, you're really opening up to more access. Like that is a way of being more accessible right yeah and that was a really big part of that show because we haven't done a lot of performance art in conjunction with an opening before yeah and I really wanted because I knew the show was going to be strong I knew there was going to be a lot of emotion I knew there was going to be a lot of passion that was being expressed through this art visually mm -hmm. and I thought you know because this is based on issues of our time I thought I need to make this as mind blowing as possible. Like let's let's add these performance elements to it where people can hear art through the spoken word. They can listen to it and and in addition to the visual. Right. And I just I wanted to like incorporate as many senses as possible and and I think that really resonated. I think people just came away from the show like kind of in shock because there was so much going on but you know in a good way with like the performance pieces there was like a call to action part to that as well because I think with art and activism um, you know you see something and you feel something but to be able to take those feelings and translate that into an actual change like right. that's like so powerful to me right and I think through that show I really saw that change in myself on how I viewed art, that it can actually be a tool for action. You know, it, it, was, it was just an amazing show all around. For me, you know, to direct it, and also I could see it in people who attended. I could see it in the artists who were part of it. Mm. Um, a lot of them don't even, you know, their main work is not around social issues, but a lot of them have been like, you know, I work mostly in this, I draw mostly this, or I paint mostly this, but I had these strong feelings about this certain cause. And to be able to put that into art and have a place to show it and to express my, my feelings about this certain issue was very um, validating Definitely. for them. That's so cool. Yeah. I guess it, there was also additional talks, right? There were things happening and moderated panels. And yeah. Things. So it was a pop. It was very short. And, right. and everyone was like, oh, it's just, this is too short of a show. But that was the time that we had. So it opened on a Saturday and then it was open that week. And then the following Saturday was the closing. It was very mm. short. And at the closing, we had a panel discussion. We had um, five artists from the show. Um, Ginger Q, who was mm -hmm. um, on recently, she, she had spoken on that panel. And um, Patrick Henry Johnson, who was our guest artist for the, for the show, he, he wasn't part of the open call, but we invited him because he had some really great pieces. He moderated. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was amazing um, to be able to have these artists. I mean, we weren't planning on having a, a panel just because we put so much work into the opening. Um, but these artists, like most of them came to me and were like, I have more to say. I would love to speak more to my work and what it means to me. And I, it's important. And, you know, I, that's important to me that these artists are being able to say what they need to say. And so we had the panel and the room was filled yeah. with people. And it was amazing. I, I just, it just continues. And we just created a catalog for it. And so I feel like it's this never-ending <laughs> show, even though it's only a week long. It's the feelings and the effects of it are still 
happening. It's amazing. Yeah. And to speak to my experience, I saw Maytha perform a spoken word mm-hmm. piece. And in terms of kind of the call to action and the tie to activism, mm-hmm. she specifically said, you know, there's a measure coming to our next election. Right. And, you know, it was related to incarceration. Yeah. And it's March 3rd, which is the date that she wanted everyone to, to right. know, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. There was a really interesting mix of like performative expression and, mm-hmm. and art as well as like download this flyer, which I have on my phone <laughs> and you can look at um, and, and make sure that you're you know active in the next election, which was a really cool way of yeah, very cool local distribution of resource and activism and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of was full circle in a way. Definitely. Yeah. How has this translated into kind of the economics of art like do you find that these shows provide like solid kind of opportunities for sales or is it more of kind of a community gathering experience um that's a good question so our gallery is non-profit um we're not commercial in any way so we're not trying to sell the artwork um we operate more like a museum where you walk into a museum, you look at the exhibit, like mm-hmm. you would never go into Lacombe and be like, I think I want to buy this piece, right. you know? Totally. So, um, but you know, we're much smaller than LACMA. Um, the pieces are usually for sale, and if someone is interested, then we have all the information, we can get put them in contact with the artist, but that's never um, been a, like a focus. Like when someone comes to visit the gallery, I'm not being like, so yeah. <laughs> interested in buying something. Um, so as far as economics, it, it's, it's very much a, a community-based art education, free workshops. Um, we have a, criti- a critique group that we um, have here. We do um, portfolio reviews. Cool. What else we do? Like international um, residencies. So it's, it's very giving yeah. in a way. Yeah. So, so what, how did the resources come about? Like, who, who's behind the <laughs> paying for all of right. that and covering that? Yeah, good, good questions. Um, that's something I'm learning on the go as well. So as a nonprofit, we're funded by grants. Mm-hmm. We're funded by um, foundations, uh, donations. Um, if a company were to come and be like, I would love to be your corporate partner, that's something that we would, you know, love. Mm. Um we we started doing some merch you can yeah, see over here I see. um peggy our founder has been she loves to screen print so she's been playing with that and cool. um we have some candles and i mean we have tote bags i mean it's very small it's 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 not a lot but it's something we're working on fundraising is definitely a part of being a nonprofit that is a big part but also very challenging definitely yeah and you're providing so much to the community, mm-hmm. um, both locally and those who come in from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, having it be sustainable is so important and, and bringing in revenue to keep everyone here. Yeah, and, keep the and on. you know, as a nonprofit, a lot of it is volunteer work. You just really have to love art and you have to love community and a lot of the artists. So for this show, we have Women by Women Up. It's, um, it's a show with 30 female LA-based artists depicting actual women and girls in their lives. And so whenever we have a show, we invite the artist to come teach a free workshop, which we invite the community to. And so every month in February, we have free workshops. And these artists are donating their time. They're not getting paid. And, but they have that desire to give back to the community. And they know that art is very healing. And we invite people of all ages all skill levels and we provide the materials and so it's really just it's it's just this giving back and just knowing that art is very powerful mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean ultimately the big reason why I was so excited to have this conversation with you is because I believe art and love are very much tied yeah. and mm-hmm. cultivating one's individual expression but also kind of c- collective expression is a way for us to communicate from our bodies and from our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. How do you define love? Um, (laughs) (laughs) The first question. I know, I know. I've listened to your podcast and whenever that question comes, you can like, you can see the other person like hesitating. It's such a big, loaded, but important question to ask. And I've, 
definitely been thinking a lot about it. Um, I think love is, I mean, I've had to kind of redefine it for myself. I, as you said it, in my bio, I'm a co-parent, mm-hmm. so um, I was married, mm-hmm. and I'm not married anymore. And so going through a big, gigantic breakup like that kind of forces you to look at love and what does it mean and am I okay? Mm. Do I still feel like I can love again? Um, but I think love, you know, first you have to love yourself. And I think a lot of people probably say that, but it's so true. And I got married very young mm. and at a time when I think most people are still figuring out who they are before they can even think about, do I love who I am before even knowing who that person is? And so Mm -hmm. being married very young, I think I tied my identity to my spouse. And, and so when we split up, I had to really look at myself like, okay, who am I Mm. as a single person? And do I love that person? And so I think once I got to that point, um, I was able to to look at love and define it for myself. What did you discover? Like, how did you get <laughs> to that point? Oh, you know, I think that it's hard to know what love is until you've been heartbroken. Mm. And because I, that happened to me, and because it was my one and only sort of relationship I had in my life because I got married so young and it was about two and a half years ago when we split up. It's it's like, okay, I can start fresh now. I've, I knew what love was, but I don't think I really, really understood it until it was gone. Mm. And so from there, it, it's been this learning process. It's been kind of like an education. Mm. Um, Fran Drescher, who is, you know, TV star, we all love. Yes. She, <laughs> she has been known to say that intimate relationships are teachers. Yeah. And so when I look at myself in that way, I thought, well, I, it was like I was in school, but in first grade and didn't really move because I had one relationship. And so since then, you know, the whole dating landscape and all of that, I think every person that I've met or come across, I've learned something about myself mm-hmm. and I've learned something about love or I've learned something about just relationships in general. And it's been it's been this whole, yeah, learning process. So I think I'm still learning and still like trying to figure it out. I'm feeling good, you know, I'm mm-hmm. feeling like, okay, I've, I'm at a place where I can really take things in and really understand it. I appreciate how you articulate kind of the, the loss of love or the heartbreak as a teacher and mm-hmm. as like a way of illuminating maybe more, um, like clarity around that feeling of what love is but also reclaiming love for yourself yeah definitely and and getting back into a place like who am I and how can I love who I am and and cultivate that person and recognizing it's a constant project right Mm -hmm. as long as we have our our bodies for me I I kind of have a similar association with trauma and disease Mm -hmm. in that um, when I was diagnosed with brain cancer it was this moment of like complete erasure of life for a moment and I was like okay this body's limited so what am I going to do with it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a similar process and I I find that like I wish that everyone could go through that and have the effect of coming out and being like I choose life and with this life I will do something (laughs) powerful you know I will work for love or whatever it might be or for art ultimately I also don't want you know, people to go through trauma to learn, right? But there is an interesting part where, like, working through that kind of dark, challenging time allows us to have more clarity. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Because it's not like I would ever wish a married friend to go through a divorce. Right. You know, I would never wish that upon anybody. But at the same time, because I went through it, I learned and I grew and I I understand you know, things I didn't understand before and it's and I'm grateful for the challenges that I've had and and I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like you yeah. would never wish that upon someone else. Right. But 
looking back, you're like, oh, I learned so much. I, I understand love. I'm appreciative of my body. And, and so, yeah, I totally, I totally feel that. It's illuminated a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Amazing. So the next big question I ask is, what are you an extremist for? <laughs> what am I an extremist for? That wasn't on your list. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm an extremist for... I mean, we're talking about love, right? I would say just understanding what that is for you and and for me and I mean when I think about love as well it's like I really want to get to a place where it's um yeah where I just accept it and I accept myself and I accept whatever love is going to come to me Mm. and whatever love is going to happen in my life I think you know, when you go through that pain and trauma, you think that's the end of the world. And mm. and I think I've been extreme in, in being and looking beyond that and thinking my life isn't over and just mm. being extreme about happiness and finding happiness and knowing that this is really just another chapter of my life. It's a new season of my life. Um, seasons end, chapters end, but there's a new one. Yeah. And just looking at life that way... Um, and also being a mom, I think that a lot of times there are stereotypes of single mothers, and I think I've been maybe extreme in a way where I try to so much like push down those stereotypes and and show that I'm happy and I'm thriving and mm. I'm I love my life now and and I'm very you know passionate about showing my girls. I have two little girls that their mom is. Is, is is she's in a healthy place mm. and she's not this like sad struggling person who 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 is, thinks she has failed in life you know yeah. yeah that's so beautiful to be able to take represent something and live by example mm-hmm. and, and show that to your kids mm-hmm. so mentioned you're a co-parent mm-hmm. what makes a great co-parent like what are some things you've learned in that process um well it's not easy yeah (laughs) it's not easy but I think that um their dad and I have actually done a really good job of co-parenting I think the main thing is to have respect for Mm. each other and and knowing that there is that there will always be a love there um even though it's in the form of respect and just always taking the high road whenever possible and I mean, I think the way that we do it, we look at our kids as, or we look at ourselves as sort of like two like corporations, mm-hmm. and we have the same client. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so our clients are the most important thing. We do everything for our clients, and and then we work together to make sure the client is happy, <laughs> if that's a, an appropriate way to put it. But it does help us because it keeps things very civil and respectable, and 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 yeah it keeps the emotion out of it right it is interesting to kind of like look at a project and the project of raising kids right mm-hmm. and seeing that as like yeah it's an art project it's also, <laughs> an art project there we go you know, it's also a professional project I mean you have to take it very seriously it's, absolutely yeah yeah they are it's a lot of work they're mm-hmm. very demanding clients <laughs> but but it's good I think you know a lot of communication and just we read this book while we were going through a divorce we both read oh I can't remember the name of it but I think it, it was like the like divorce for dummies it was like in you know the yellow uh-huh, and black uh-huh. book but what it suggested in there was just that high road idea just always take the high road especially when children are involved and mm. and that has really spoken to me because there's just so many decisions that have to be made and so many things that could be argued over. And when you have this idea like, okay, I'm just going to take the high road. You know, it's okay if this happens. It's okay if, if you do this and just, it's fine. You yeah. know, there's really no reason to fight or to have feelings be hurt at this point. What have you learned from your girls? What have they taught you about love? Or- about love? Um... I think this idea of unconditional love, mm, mm-hmm. um, 
I think in like an intimate or romantic relationship, you talk there are talks of that being unconditional, but I think that's a lot harder to achieve mm. and there's a lot of um, elements of it that you kind of have to figure out for yourself what that means to you. But when you have children, it's just so given. It's just there mm. and you don't question it. And it's just been this beautiful um, discovery. Yeah. I guess um, there's this book that I read about motherhood. This woman gave it to me when I, this was way before I became a mother. And she was this like grandmotherly type person. And she gave this book to everybody she met because she, she had compiled all these stories of motherhood. Cool. And one of the descriptions in there that I loved, but I didn't understand because I wasn't yet a mother, was this idea of jewels. Mm. Um, that when you become a mother, it's like this treasure box of jewels just opens up and spills out that you had no idea existed. And you're like, this part of me, this this mother inside me is coming out and it's beautiful and I had no idea I could love mm. and nurture and mother these helpless little babies, you know? Right. And it and it and it and when I did have children, it was just it was just like that. That's beautiful. Because um, I think I don't know, you it's it's scary to become a parent and you don't know if you can do it. You you don't know if your life is gonna be different or whatever and yeah it really is just like a box of jewels wow yeah it's amazing so i want to go back to what you were saying about this community Mm -hmm. and about south la yeah you said this is a place uh, obviously that has one of the most dense black populations on the west coast right what are some of the stories or some of the some of the kind of traumas that you've confronted since opening this gallery and learning about the community I would say, you know, there's a lot of gang activity. There's drugs, mm. um, homelessness. I would say those three things are probably the bigger ones that I've heard about and that I've, I've done a little bit of research on the history too. Just a lot of, yeah, those three areas. I mean, just down the street, Nipsey Hussle was mm. shot and that was, I think, somewhat gang-related, but... Not really sure, but I mean that was just down the street, and that 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 was like the most recent huge trauma. And when we when that happened, we were only here for about a year, right? And so we could feel the community suffering and going through that loss and sadness, and it was something that we were not sure how to respond to, like appropriately. At the same time, we wanted to pay our respects and so yeah just there's just a lot of death and sadness mm-hmm. I guess in the area I think across the street at the Buddha market it's like a liquor store grocery store there's been some deaths there mm. um, and so yeah it's just it's just knowing that people have gone through a lot and they are going through a lot and just trying to be a space that is warm and that is safe and where they feel that they can be themselves and 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 be inspired is mm. is something that I think we can do to help. Yeah. Do you find there are other like Nipsey Store Marathon is down the street? Mm-hmm. Are there other kind of community outposts that you think are safe spaces or places that really celebrate this community and and honor the folks that are local? Have you heard of Destination Crenshaw? Yes, I have. Yeah, so that's just happening. Crenshaw Boulevard is just a couple blocks down, and that is a huge art project that's mm-hmm. taking place. And we um, are starting a collaboration with them. I got in touch with their curatorial team, and we're going to be... We had There was a meeting I went to, and we're going to hopefully have some more meetings. Um, but they are hoping to just really like enliven the area with art, knowing mm. that art can be like super healing and just... Um, adding a lot of green space and just really building up that street because it's so um, central and historic to this area. And I think that will be really good for the community. I mean, the aim is to help the community bring business to the area and just make it brighter. Mm -hmm. 
We're also not super far from the new Ram Stadium that's going up, right? Right, and, yeah. And things like that. Have you have you seen how the neighborhood's kind of shifting in, in regards to some of the development and activity? To the stadium, not so much. I haven't seen anything. But to Destination Crenshaw, I think people are excited about that. Mm. Um, I recently had a meeting with the founder of Compton Art Walk, Cool. Um, which is really exciting. Compton doesn't have their own art gallery, mm-hmm. and so he's trying to start that, and we're going to actually do a show in August wow. with them, and which is really exciting. So I think, you know, the L.A. art scene is just very energetic right now, and, and it's there's a lot of young people just who are driving just new art in this area, and, like, art that says something and art that means something. Right. And to me, when I first heard that there was no art space in Compton, I thought, well, there's so much creativity and creatives who have come from Compton. That seems, it seems like there would be, but there isn't. And so it's just like this energy to like, let's make art spaces, you know, let's have more of this. And that's why I think, you know, our gallery, it's been welcomed because people may not know who we are, where we came from, but they do understand the importance of art. Right. And so that's been that's been really good. Do you find there's creativity happening in other arenas like food or like gardening or street art and like kind of more public facing arenas? Yeah, I would say food for sure. Um, This area has been described as a food desert. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that term where there's not a lot of healthy food options. Right. And so there's been more of that popping up, like with Hilltop. Mm-hmm. Cafe kind of across from Simply Wholesome, and Simply Wholesome being like a mecca of like healthy food. Yeah. And um, at the Compton Art Walk, they they have like vegan and vegetarian options that come through because there isn't a lot available. And so, definitely in the food scene, there's there's been um, some activity there. Street art for sure. Like after Nipsey passed, um, there's been a lot of murals going up. Um, Patrick Henry Johnson, who you mm-hmm. met, he's a muralist. Um, and even with Kobe's passing and his daughter, like there's just in my neighborhood, I'm I'm down in Manhattan, and there's been a graf- not graffiti, but street like wall art of yeah. Kobe, and and it's just I feel like people are just so inspired to make art. I think people see that that's just a way to express and to say something, and it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Los Angeles is a city, I think, is just one of these cities that just breathes creativity in so many ways. Yes. And it's yes. almost like, even though there might not be institutions in certain neighborhoods, the spirit still exists. Mm-hmm. And so many people are employed by creative industries. Mm-hmm. And the art is all around us, whether it's musical or, yeah, cooking and food or street art and visual. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a real kind of cultural nuance um, and I'm, yeah, always curious about how kind of the gallery, which is this more traditional art space, interacts mm. with the more kind of DIY. You know? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I think we've been we've been seeing our gallery as sort of this like mix or this mm-hmm. hybrid of of the emerging and the established, and really like welcoming and embracing the that idea of emerging, but also. We're a space, you know, we're, we're sort of this must-see gallery, well, we're trying to, but I, I think we're making a name for ourselves as yeah. a gallery for, you know, established artists as well. And so it's nice to be able to, to be both and to have both feel welcome and proud to mm-hmm. be in this space. So, yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. I think about, like, how the gallery can become this interface for... Yeah, people to walk in off the street who don't interact with art on a regular basis and mm-hmm. also artists. And what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to open a gallery in their city or, you know? Oh, wow. I would say, I would say getting in touch with the artists and just um, developing a community or a collective of friends who are creative and, mm. and asking, you know, what do you want to see? Like, what how do you envision like having a show or what kind of show would you see and 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 talking to like local businesses and and because i think businesses and nonprofits you know they they want to work together and and 
nonprofits are important to have in a space if it if there is none. Right. You know, because it brings that community aspect to it. And so I think surrounding yourself and getting to know your neighbors, really, mm. just who is my neighborhood? Right. <laughs> What's in my neighborhood? Yeah. Who's and, around? Yeah. yeah. And seeing what the needs are and, and, and just kind of being excited. Like, I'm going to start this. I want to do this. And I think being at the gallery has given, has given me more of a sense of community, just thinking like, oh, what can I do? Like, in my own neighborhood, you know, and because I feel like I'm doing so much in this neighborhood and I'm seeing like, it feels great. It feels really good to feel like you're giving back to a community instead of just being a consumer of your community. Right. Yeah, that's such an important point. Like, so often it's easy for us to move somewhere and try to get all the juice out of our place, right? Go to the good restaurants mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we kind of consume in it. But giving back to it and providing for the places where we live and move into is such a different exercise. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that... It's very different. It's not natural. Because I, I feel like, you know, we, we, we live and we just are living our lives, you know, like we're just trying to get through the day. But when you stop and think oh, this neighborhood, I love my area. How can I, my home is beyond my four walls. You know, my home is my neighborhood. And what, you know, oh, there's not this here. How can I bring this to the table? Or how can I create this? Or how can I open this type of space up? Yeah, such an important question to ask, especially, I mean, if you're opening any type of business in in a community, but I really think in the arts, you're, you're absolutely right. Like getting to know the local artists and seeing what they need and how you can support them is so valuable. Yeah, and I think a lot of times local artists, you know, they don't really know where to begin. Right. Like they don't really know, well, how do I get my piece in a gallery? And that's a big question we get a lot here is how can I get my work here in your gallery? And <laughs> and it's it's just nice to that we can be here and that we can offer a space for that and that we can have open calls like the art and activism one because i think that's like to me like for me that would be my number one recommendation is if you're an artist and you want your piece shown is to submit to open calls because that's a great way to be part of a group exhibition to meet other artists to meet people from the gallery Mm -hmm. and then from there you just kind of network your way through and yeah. Yeah. I got to submit my art. You do. I got to. Should that. do it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> cool. Going back and forth between community and self and thinking mm-hmm. cuz I, I see love in these multiple frames. I see like there's the self-love and mm-hmm. there's interpersonal which we spoke about in terms of your relationship and your kids. And then there's like giving back to community and and I think going back to self. Are there things you do on a daily basis that like help you stay loving help you stay kind of in a good spirit I think having my girls Mm. is a great way to always remember that because Mm. they're like little sponges and they're little reflections of who you are so I'm very aware of being self-loving in front of them Mm. Um, so for example if we're looking at pictures on my phone and Maybe I think I don't look great in it. I'm not going to say that right. because I don't want them to to think that that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't mm-hmm. want them to think that their mom doesn't think she's beautiful because they think I'm beautiful, you know. And that is like so amazing. And it's like when I remember that, then it's like, oh, the world is fine. Everything's mm-hmm. right in the world. Like I have these children, and I'm I I'm a mother, and and they looked. That I'm their like moon and stars, you know, and mm. I don't know how long <laughs> that will last for. Um, they're still they're still young, but it's beautiful. It's it's some it's a it's a good reminder to always practice that self love and to make sure I'm I'm actively practicing it in order to be a good example to yeah, them. Totally. Yeah. It's great to have that reflection. Mm-hmm. I find we're all reflections, but mm-hmm. as we get older, we get caught up in our own kind of processes, and sometimes it's not as obvious. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, having young children is so clear. You know? Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to work harder in a way. Like you have to be more self-aware, and because you have someone watching you totally. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> well, and to to look at that on a on a more macro level, I think this community is watching the gallery. You know, and they're paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But I mean, I'm aware of that. But the way you're saying it, I think you're right. 
And I think that, you know, that puts a lot of responsibility on us, which, which we already feel and we know, but it, it probably motivates us even more mm-hmm. to, to do the best that we can to be this community builder yeah. in the area. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's an amazing project and an amazing space. Thank and you. And what you're doing is really powerful. Thank if you, you so are much. in Los Angeles and want to see great art and see really community activism and art intersecting, I highly recommend coming to South LA Contemporary and paying Tatum and Peggy a visit and getting to know the space and the artists that are showing here. This current exhibit's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really strong. We had um, the publisher of Artillery Magazine. They're like the biggest art magazine um, in L.A. She came by and she just kept circling nice. around and she's like, I can't get enough. She's like, this is like one of the best shows I've ever seen. And, wow. and that's, and that speaks to the curator, Sharon Alicotti, and it speaks to the, all the artists here. And it's wonderful. Like we have all these exhibits and, and I, I always feel like the lat the current one is my favorite and then it, it gets better and better. And I love that. And I, you know, it's exciting and I want people to come and, and experience that same feeling that I get. So how do we find you? What's the best way? The gallery is Sola Contemporary on Instagram. Cool. And then solacontemporary.org. On, um, that's our website. Great. Um, me, personally, it's Tatum.Hawkins on Instagram. Sweet. So, yeah. We'll post it in the show notes and let everyone know where, what you're up to. Sounds good. Any final thoughts or things, you know, ruminations on love and art and community that you can share with us? No, I just, I just truly love this work and this space. Mm. I mean, uh, we didn't talk much about it, but going from my corporate background to art was a very deliberate decision, and it was based all on on love, like my love for art, and then my love for community just has been growing ever since starting here and so I really feel like this is my passion and I hope that shows it through does. what we're doing. It really does. I mean I, I was fortunate to be introduced to you through a friend mm-hmm. uh, of us both and yet I see you holding this space as director of the gallery and and it feels welcoming and it so often in leadership like you can sense when the leadership is in alignment with the project mm-hmm. and and their values are showing through. And I think this, this space and the work that you've done and the curation you're doing in terms of bringing in curators, bringing in artists, bringing in community to have events and stuff is mm-hmm. really showing through. So, oh, thank you so much. It's awesome. It a lot. Thank yeah. you. And thank also you. having your corporate background, I'm sure, helps a lot too, you know? Yeah, I think it has. I was, I was a little worried and if it would but I think it I think it has because I do my background has been in like taking small businesses and kind of putting them on the map and so I've kind of viewed this gallery as this little small business which it you know it kind of is but but um but yeah the art scene is very different from corporate life and but I love it it's so fun yeah it's great Cool. Well, thank you so much, Tatum. Thanks. It's a pleasure getting to know you and having this conversation. Thank you. Um, You've been listening to Love Extremist Radio with Tatum Hawkins at Sola Contemporary. Check it out on the gram. Check Love Extremist out on the gram. I am Ethan Lipsitz, E-T-H-A-N-L-I-P-S-I-T-Z. And you can find the website extremist.love. We now have our Love Extremist Liberation Challenge live. So that's a really cool challenge where you can go online and send some loving emails to folks that you may or may not be in contact with on a regular basis. So please check that out. um, And I'll post the links in the show notes. And have a wonderful week. Oh, what's your favorite love song? I would say it's kind of a sad one. It's okay. It's about love, but right. it's 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 sad, but it's but musically it's so beautiful. Um, I would say "Sugar for the Pill" by Slow Dive. "Sugar for the Pill" by Slow Dive. Okay, we'll take it out with that. Nice. Thanks, Yay. Tatum. Take care, everyone. Bye.